You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Here is Husker 24-7 senior writer, Brian Christofferson. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a little bit of a circus act. Brian Christofferson. Well, I mean, that's that's pretty interesting. Brian Christofferson. <laughs> I, I kind of enjoy that. Here is Brian Christofferson. Welcome back. Kicking off hour number two here on Hurt at Sports Radio, AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. We're live on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Joining us now on the War Horse Sportsbook Hotline is Brian Christofferson from Husker 24-7. BC, what's going on, man? Not a lot. How are you guys doing? <laughs> BC, long time no chat, man. I'm not going to put you on the hot seat so you hurt my feelings and say no, but <laughs> did you miss me? No, I'm kidding. How you been, man? I, I feel good. It feels good to hear your voice, Damon. It's, oh. uh, it just it buoyed my spirits. I haven't even had a cup of coffee yet, but that was all I needed. Let's go. <laughs> Let's Got the go. blood pumping. He's ready. <laughs> so, so, Robbie and I are we're trying not to kill each other over this whole buyout contract clause thing, and I was explaining to him, BC, like – you know, for him, and I get it, I'll let him explain more if he'd like, but he's like, listen, paying buyouts shows me you're committed to winning. Like, you just, you're doing to take what's necessary. And this was on the heels of UCLA and, and, and their position and, and Tony White. And I told mm-hmm. him, this is still the sa- a lot of the same fan base that is upset at all the money that was going out of the window and doors for contracts here at Nebraska. Where, where do you think we lie as a fan base on, on buyouts and expenses? Um, it's always a dangerous to speak for everybody. Um, I, obviously, I, th- I think they don't like, people don't like when it's just reckless, where you're reckless with your, your money over there. Um, but I also think there's people like me, and I, I'm guessing Ravi from I did hear a little bit of this segment, that sometimes are like, you know what? Um, whatever you got to do, um, as long as your 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 head's above water, um, I'm not overly worried about it. I, I do. I the one that really cracks me up actually is um, the worry about whether Nebraska's like paying their seven million dollar pool to their assistants or not. And I always there's people there, there's like people kind of worry about it, and I'm like. Who cares if if you can secure the staff you want for like five point six million? Isn't that better than just giving money to give money? So, um, yeah, you don't want to be like foolish with how you're doing contracts and putting them together. And there might have been a stretch there where Nebraska fans thought there was a little bit of that going on, and maybe some extensions given a little earlier than they should have been in mm-hmm. some cases that I think we all know about. Um, and I think those are fair points for people to kind of question and say, yeah, was that was that really the best move that's ever been done around here? Um, but for the most part, it feels like things are kind of back on track with that here. I, I didn't see everything with UCLA's buyout situ- with their money situation there, but um, if it comes down to like $800,000 or a million or whatever and the differences between one coach and another – I'd be annoyed if if that was the separating point uh, in me for me getting the guy I really want. But I think they did get the guy they want. I don't know that they got the best guy, that's all. Yeah, BC, I I mean, basically my standpoint is just sort of, you know, don't keep throwing good money after bad, right? Like, yes, the extensions were bad money, but what's the alternative? You just keep keep a coach because that's bad because you don't want to pay the buyout? 
You know what I mean? Like, well, I don't know what the alternative yeah. is there. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and by the way, I said get the guy they want. I think they got the guy the AD wants at UCLA. Our, our message board on 24-7 sports for UCLA was very <laughs> pro-Tony White for what it's worth. That was uh, felt like 85 to 90% of the people on there wanted him. So he there was, I was watching that one closely, guys, all weekend because um, there's a lot of sentiment for him from fans at least that, that thought he would be a, a great hire, and I, I tend to agree with them. BC, do you think there's something for said to being able to hire a sitting head coach, or is that overstated? Oh, I think there's sometimes value um, if if he's you know has some proof of uh, success with it. Sometimes if it's just a a guy who's uh, you know been very middling I, I i think it it leaves something to be desired like i get it like if it's we're talking about like a pj fleck and maybe he's not everybody's cup of tea with his personality or whatever but definitely proven. look at yeah you can look at what he's done at minnesota and i honestly i think i you know i go up to minnesota quite a bit for stuff i i think he's kind of taken for granted sometimes like yeah i i feel like it's there's a little bit of that um Iowa State syndrome I've seen with them before where like Dan McCarney back in the day built it up and then was a victim of his own success and then I think Matt Campbell's ran into that a little bit recently too um, I think some of that goes on in Minnesota but anyway like a guy like Black, I can see where you know there'd be some reservations about like um, his personality how it fit in that climate and stuff but I would like the fact that he has actually built stuff up at multiple programs that would be a case where a sitting head coach would be really um, that piece of it would be appealing to me but we've also seen examples now I think of guys you know like who, who make the jump from coordinator to head coach and it's pretty good early like Lanning and I mean there's 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 guys who, who pick this stuff up pretty fast and if they've got the right traits for it uh, why stand in the way? And um, that's where I think Tony, uh, when he does get his shot at it, I think he'll be successful because I just think he's got that demeanor where he, he can stay even enough um, in dealing with all the outside pressures when he talks to the media and stuff like that. But also I know that he's got a commanding presence and the respect of all his defenders over there. So um, I, I think he's – when you – just listen to him and you watch him he he's got all this stuff whether you know he hasn't been a head coach yet but at some point you got to make that jump and i think he will do well when he does it we're talking to brian christopherson from husker 24 7 uh bc i I, you know when i'm looking at the hiring of uh of deshaun foster as opposed to a guy like tony white that i mean even if you can't land a sitting head coach it seems like the opinion of the players played a huge factor in going with Deshaun Foster. I guess how much concern, and maybe concern is the right word because it's UCLA and you don't care if they're good or not, but I guess how concerned would you be if something they like They are in the conference. Yeah, that's fair. Um, how concerned <laughs> would you be if something like that happened at a school you were covering or a school you cared about where the players currently on the team had – what appears to be an outsized say in who ended up being their head coach. Yeah, um, I'd be a little worried about it, honestly. Um, I, I mean, I get, I get it to some degree. Um, you got to factor in their opinions, and if you've got a no-brainer um, hire like right there in front of you, um, you know, 
sometimes you just you just you do go with that. But um, I'm not a, sure a running backs to, coach qualifies as a no-brainer hire. You know what I mean? No, I, I don't think so either. Um, I, I I think you got to look at a situation like they're in as if you have to burn a few things down the first year or two. So goes it to to look at it as like a a five year type of deal. Now that's very difficult to convince people about in this day and age. That's the problem. That's the thing that's going to be a, a, an issue at a lot of places is there are certain jobs that I think would would take four to six years, honestly, to build it properly and get it where you know you actually gave that head coach a fighting shot to build it. Uh, the way it should be built and and to get it to where you want it to be but the problem is you're not going to get as much as you're not going to get that time anymore you know like um, when I was a kid there were you know Damon will remember this like there were coaches that lasted and they weren't always great coaches or didn't build it but I mean they would last like six seven eight years sometimes at big eight schools that were really scuffling they'd at least get a chance to do it their way and nowadays you know, everything is like, okay, what, after year three, this is what's happened. It's, it's, it's over sort of feeling. Um, so I think, I think the AD, um, at UCLA, um, probably did get caught up in a lot of the sentiment of the players and, um, the, his personal attachment on that one. And maybe it's going to end up being a great hire. Um, I'm, I don't love it off the bat, but we'll see. He could prove everybody wrong and he could just take off and, um, you, you know me. I'm like I. I'm just a huge Tony White fan. So uh, I'm happy that Nebraska gets to keep him for another year and build this thing because I think I think what Matt Rule said on his radio show last night is accurate. If if Tony's here for another year or two, um, he's going to get a lot of cracks at things because it, it, it's set up really to be very good on that side of the ball. I think where they're a top ten, top fifteen defense the next couple of years. But you still got to go out and do it. And if he does, I think he'll get a job next year. Uh, I'd be kind of surprised if he doesn't. Wow. Ravi Lula, L2, and BC here for hating on running backs and well, coaches. No, just, um, guys, just position coaches who have not done anything else getting head coaching jobs. That's the, what I'm hating on. BC, I'm learning in a hurry. Uh, yeah. Listening to, the, like, this the past week and obviously having a good relationship with, with, with Coach White. The difference between being emotionally invested and being mm-hmm. personally invested. I actually think they can be the same thing, but this time for me, they're not. My emotions are always with, I'm always emotionally invested in Nebraska. The, yeah. now, now it's personal. And I'm thinking to myself, listening to you guys talk about kind of the relationships and players I almost think we undersell that a little bit in terms of players because I know right here in our very own backyard, the offensive line, like 99th percentile was in favor of Donnie mm-hmm. Rayola coaching them and coming back. That was important to, to coach rule, right? Whether Tony White was, was going to come back or not, like I know that – like that was important in our household with the player, with, you know, from a player standpoint. Yeah. Like, so, so I, I, I can't wait to see kind of how it plays out over time between being emotionally invested, like as players, and oh man, I really feel attached to this coach, 
that's enough to overcompensate for like let's say you know a bad play call or or some sort of scheme deficiency versus wow this guy's proven he's got a ton of know-how he may not connect but the regimen will get us by in the meantime with his experience do you know what i mean yeah no that's a good point especially with donnie um you know from an assistant coach's perspective because rule that was that huge multiple times. yeah multiple times where he's never had a situation where, you know, like even an outgoing transfer is standing on the table, um, you know, for this guy and saying, yeah, he's he's the right guy for that. And that, you know what, when Rule said that, and you, and you, you could tell also, not that I didn't trust Rule, but you heard it from players as well, um, that, that did do something to me where I was like, you know, they, they, they see this every day and everybody's spouting opinions sort of about, Donovan Ryla based off a very difficult year to work through that last season before Rule got here. Um, maybe the players who saw it every day know a little bit more than than everybody else uh, on the outside, and so I really took that into account. So I don't want to dismiss what happened at UCLA with like you know they th- those guys saw it on the ground level uh, and how invested a coach is in it and in them and they believe in it. Um, my thought with that is with that head coaching spot, you, you do need to weigh that in, but you also, man, it's such a big decision for that job. Like you, sometimes you have to go against the grain, I think, if, if, if you feel like you got a better option and know you might have to, some of the stuff might burn down for a year or two, but you, if you feel like you got a better pick elsewhere, go that way. But maybe they, the AD didn't, and that, that's their pick, and so be it. I think Nebraska's thankful that it turned out that way because uh, they got a really good football coach for another year. We're talking with Brian Christopherson from Husker 24-7. Hopefully two or three. BC. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. Ideal, right? Is yeah. it, I feel like I'm sort of talking out of both sides of my mouth here because I am thrilled that Tony White is staying at Nebraska. I'm also, I think, upset on his behalf that he didn't get the offer to coach at UCLA. Does that make sense? Yeah, just because yeah, what do you think of it? Bit. Yeah, I, like I, I feel yeah. like he deserved the opportunity, yeah. whether he wanted to say yes or no. Like I wanted him to stay because he wanted to still be here, not because he didn't get the offer. And we don't know. Maybe it played. Maybe he did. Maybe maybe he did. I yeah. don't know that, but that the perception is yeah. they chose Foster over him, gotcha. and now I'm mad on his behalf. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I get it. I, I think there's a lot of fans like that around here. They, he's. I'll tell you what. There's a few coaches who have come in in a year. And have uh, what is it the Q rating or whatever they mm-hmm. go by like where you're just popular like yeah, I mean he's he's that guy around here right now and so um, everybody wants that to continue and to see where they build this thing off of last season but there is I, I think there's a complete understanding and hope for him to 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 be able to make that next move and I I think Rule when you listen to him wants to have that situation where um, his guys branch out over time and you're having the type of success where you build that coaching tree because it means things are going really well in, in your house. So um, your, uh, your sentiment, I think, is uh, actually quite a popular one around the state. BC, what did you make of, of, of Thomas and kind of his first go-around with, with handling the media? There was, it's, it's crazy, and I know they've worked together, and I should – not be surprised but the common language the the tie that binds the the using of the word trust the understanding roles i'm like why am i even surprised that it's insert different coach to sound the same even as a new hire 
Yeah, he he sounded he sounded like uh, like one of every one of us, as they say. I'm sure uh, <laughs> it's crazy. But uh, yeah, he, he definitely did. Um, I think this is a no-brainer hire all the way around, and I've thought it more and more um, in the last week or so as I've kind of just looked at his his background. And I've said this a couple times, but. You know, every coach, if you go uh, anywhere in the country, you go look at his bio, he'll have like five or six players maybe that are in that bio. It's like, oh, he worked with so-and-so, right, who was like a third-round draft pick and this and that. And sometimes you got to be careful with those because you'll read them and you'll be like, yeah, he did work with – this one coach did work with this guy for like a, for a year maybe, but you kind of don't see where that coach was the really the influence that got that guy to the league or something. Um, when I look at Glenn Thomas's bio, and you think about specifically the names of, of PJ Walker and Charlie Brewer, um, he—that's one—that's a case where it's very legit. It's like, man, that's true. That he had such an impact on the growth of those players who um, nobody was talking a whole lot about, and, and he got some time with them. There were cases where they were, you know, he got them young in their college careers and you saw the development and, you know, you saw P.J. Walker actually get to the league and Charlie Brewer had a great college career. And then he had Cameron Friel at UNLV, who was a, you know, all Mountain West uh, freshman of the year. Um, So when you kind of go back and just study it, you're like, man, his situation fits perfectly with where Nebraska is right now with, you know, two freshman QBs. Um, two guys where they're going to, as they say, start from the ground up. And, um, you know, he's, he's going to meet them where they are, figure out some of the things they got to change, but do it, as Rule said last night, at, at the pace that is, uh, you know, right for each player. Um, so it, it just sounds like Rule has complete comfort in he knows those QBs are getting the training he wants. He can not even worry about that. It's going to be done right. And, um, you know, then we'll, at some point, the head coach will make a decision on, like, what the pecking order is and all that stuff. But you know you're getting the good teaching that gets you to that point. So I feel really strongly about that hire um, that it's sort of like after it happened, you're like, why would have they done anything else kind of? It just just (laughs) fits right to me. BC, do you wonder at all why that, choice wasn't made last year i know that there was the jake pete's thing right where they thought he was going to come in be yeah. a quarterback coach mm. do you wonder at all why they didn't just get the band back together right away and go to glenn thomas and say hey let's do this thing the way we always have like th- that always that part of it seemed a little strange to me when it kind of ends up being that way anyway yeah i, I don't know for sure i mean i do know there was a report about pete's last year in like a couple of days or everybody thought that was going to happen and, and that would coach tight ends then and that would be it and so i don't know on the glenn thomas angle why at that moment it wasn't right um but you know sometimes other guys have something in the fryer over here and this guy's got it has to always kind of match up so who's to say but um it just felt like for right now where they were um you know, he, he's a guy who um, I, I like it on game day, too. Like, I like the fact that you have a QB's coach uh, in Glenn Thomas who, with those, uh, let's say you have a freshman starter, you know, over on the sideline, he can just have that, that time with the player one-on-one and, 
uh, be in his head space a little bit. And, um, you know, then Satterfield's thinking about the big picture over here. And I like the collaboration piece, too. And, um, you know, uh, that's last night Rule said coordinator's not just a title like co-OC that I give to somebody just to get them here. Mm-hmm. This is somebody I've trusted with my offenses and Glenn Thomas to design offenses before, I to call plays. I, I just believe in him in that way. And I don't think there's – this is a deal where he's known Satterfield for 20 years. Satterfield was the guy who at Temple uh, brought up his name, actually. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it feels like a good connection there, too, for, for Sat. I just think Sat's in a good spot with it, with, with somebody he trusts and, and knows well, and they're not going to have to do a lot of catch-up in how they want to operate in the spring. And um, it just seems to fit in a lot of ways, and I like that Satterfield can work. Um, with the tight ends too, which I think is just a fascinating position group um, as you're trying to design this offense. You know, they always say positionless. Well, they're, the tight ends that spot where you can do so many unique things with it. Um, it kind of makes sense that, that he's uh, directly connected to those guys. BC, I felt like we kind of buried the lead after signing day rules presser where he went in depth about Sat and, you know, he said he's, he's really aggressive and sometimes you can't always be aggressive at the quarterback spot and then what the mm. tight ends needed and its degree of difficulty in terms of concepts and his experience. I always say as long as the media, hearing it through the media isn't the first time you've heard something and it's been conveyed to you, it's probably cool to say out loud. Mm-hmm. But I still think that delivery and his summation of that relationship basically told me all I needed to know about Coach Rule's personality. He's constantly evaluating. He's constantly tinkering. But but most importantly, the open lines of dialogue where nobody's left wondering, well, I didn't see that coming. Do you know what I mean? Like, he laid yeah. it out there and just kept on moving like no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he packs a lot into his, his pressers. Like, if you go back to the one – that happened, you know, he did one like two or three days after the Iowa game, and uh, he was already moving on, and he was getting asked about sort of like, okay, what are you going to do with your coaching setup? You got anything to say there? And, um, you know, he didn't, he said, I got to look things over and all that, but he also told us, he's like, yeah, you know, of course last year that original plan was to have Satterfield work with the tight ends, and and all that, and he he just keeps going, but it's like, uh, you know what, he told you what he's going to do right there. After the Iowa press conference, there it was. Um, and so I, I, I like that. You know what I also like, Damon, is um, just not being wishy-washy about what roles are, and I know you can't always let everybody inside the kitchen, right? You can't let the whole public in on everything. Yeah. But we've had this deal where we go round and round sometimes. It happens more in season, but it's like, who's calling the plays? You know, is it this guy getting like 30% of the calls? And he just put that to bed for this offseason. He's like, I he loves the Glenn Thomas hire, but he's like, that's the guy at the front of that room, and he made that clear. And I thought that was a really good thing to just like, that's what it is right now, and that's how we're proceeding. Brian Christopherson from Husker Fantastic, 24-7. B. BC, great stuff as always. We'll talk to you again next week. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That's Brian Christopherson, Husker 24-7. Coming up next, Andy Kendi from KETV here on Herd Sports Radio.